This podcast series is part of Hashtag Hour, a new grassroots project that brings together personal stories of all backgrounds to widen discussions on existing and important issues that are often silenced. Interested in the project or want to contribute to our work? Check out www.ourcontext.org. What does it mean to be an Australian national who neither identifies as white nor as a person of color? In this episode, Rob is going to tell us what it was like growing up in the suburbs of Melbourne and the various forms of othering he experiences to this day on a daily basis. His story also raises the question of what being Australian means and what racism might do to you. Reacting to racialized discrimination towards you by racializing others. I'm Fumi, this is Hashagar Racism, and this is the story of Rob. Rob considers himself as a first-generation Australian as his parents migrated from Argentina to Australia. Rob grew up in the suburbs of Melbourne, and whilst he says he was not discriminated against as much in contrast to kids of other backgrounds, he was othered on a quite regular basis in different settings. Growing up in the suburbs of Melbourne, it was all pretty, pretty vanilla. I had it pretty easy. I didn't experience racism the same way that Chinese or Indian or like African kids experienced and like no one was ever physically violent to me or anything like that. It was kind of just like being teased. So yeah, I realized pretty early on that I was different to the other kids at school because I was pretty regularly reminded. Um, Kids at school would make fun of my lunches. My teachers would call me Hussein because that was the only other brown kid in my year and they thought that we were the same person. Um, some of the kind of ignorant, nastier kids, they used to mock me with an Indian accent, which really confused me because I'm not Indian. Um, I thought I was for a bit because of that. <laughs> um, one of my dad's friends used to call me a gollywog, <laughs> which is like those little those like black kind of voodoo dolls that are like pretty racist. Um, And he'd call me an Aboriginal here and there when I was at my brownest, but I don't think he, he never meant it in a bad way, but it kind of fed my insecurities because I was young and I didn't get it. I remember when I was 13 on Australia Day, I was just down the street with some friends and I got chased by a group of older guys. And they were threatening to kick the shit out of me, saying, like, get out of my country, you greasy wog, and all these sorts of things. And, um, yeah, it just kind of made me feel really not welcome and, like, people didn't want me here. And, yeah, my whole life I kind of always felt like I didn't fit in. But I still felt like I was accepted in most situations. Like, I was never held back from any opportunities because of my race. But... Yeah, the discrimination was enough for me to feel ashamed and embarrassed about my heritage. And I remember I used to want to go to sleep and wake up white and I would avoid the sun so I wouldn't tan, but I still looked foreign. (laughs) And yeah, then I kind of came to learn to accept it and realise it was actually pretty fucking cool. Rob shares two recent experiences and his reflections on them. Something kind of confronting happened when I was about... 20 i got in some trouble with the police over something minor and it was also on australia day something i don't know got bad luck on that day (laughs) 
Um, long story short, it resulted in me being arrested and forcefully restrained and charges being pressed against me for something pretty insignificant. Um, when I had a read of the police officer's statement, his description of me before he approached me um, referred to me as a volatile young man of Iranian appearance. Um, I read that and I was like, whoa, like that's what strangers see me as. Because um, I didn't feel like that. And at the time, not, not that there's anything wrong with being Iranian, but there was a lot of bad media coverage with police at the time because there were Arabic gangs kind of assaulting police. So yeah, there's a lot of stigma attached to what he said. And now that I think about it, it probably influenced my treatment a lot as well, which sucks because even if I was Iranian, I stu should still be treated objectively. Like I'm not more threatening just because I come from a certain place. And then actually last year, I was at a pub two hours away from where I live. I was with my partner and a big drunk Australian guy with a mullet came up to us while I was having a cigarette. I thought he was going to ask me for a lighter or for a cigarette or something. And instead he opened with, where you from? <laughs> and I said, near Frankston. And I don't know. It was obvious that I wasn't a local, so I wasn't surprised by his question. I thought he meant, where am I from in Victoria? And then he clarified. He's like, nah, where are you really from? You look like a fucking dirty wog or some shit. I had steam coming out of my ears. I was so mad. And it took every ounce of restraint not to gutter stomp the guy. Instead, I did the right thing and told the security guard, and they all got kicked out. He wasn't happy about it, but... It really pissed me off that anyone would start a conversation that way and like asked all the time. And I know it's, it's never asked in a, like, like people aren't intentionally being racist when they ask it, but like so soon after meeting people, they're always like, where are you from originally? I always tell them the truth, which is Melbourne, <laughs> but 90% of the time, People aren't satisfied with the response and they go on to ask, oh, what's your background? Which is a fair question when you're talking about something related to that, like you're talking about your family or your food or if you speak any second languages or other kind of cultural stuff. But it isn't usually relevant to bring up when, I don't know, like if two white people met each other, that, that wouldn't come up in conversation straight away. And... Yeah, it's just always really off topic. And I'm like, at the time when they ask that, and it's like in their head, they're looking at me. And what they really want to say is, why are you brown? Or how come you don't look Australian? But if people were to go around actually asking questions like that, without sugarcoating it, lots of people would be walking around with black eyes, I reckon. But yeah, whenever someone asks me that question, I always ask it back to them, no matter how white they look. And they give me this look. As if to say, what a stupid question. I'm obviously not foreign. And they give some sort of generic answer, like Australian, maybe a bit of Irish way back. But like, what does Australian mean? Like, does that mean you're Aboriginal? Because people only really state their English background if their parents or grandparents immigrated from England. But it's like, people think it's like just not worth mentioning. Um, when they're like a few generations back, I don't know. It confuses me at like where you draw the line, like 
it's like they forget that they're not from here either. But yeah, it's pretty funny to see people's attitude change once I tell them my ancestral history um, reluctantly. And often it's like a sigh of relief when I tell them where I'm from because they're like, oh, thank God, you're not like a bad brown person, like like Indian or someone that's like more discriminated against here. But because there's not many South Americans here, I guess we're not seen as such a problem or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe because it's also based on a European culture that makes it okay. I don't know. I just don't get it. Rob says that not all Australians treat him the same way and identifies a pattern. I've travelled a bit and the Australians that you meet overseas are like, I don't sense one bit of racism or discrimination with them. Yeah, it's like really cool to see like, just like your average like white American or white Australian or white British person, like really like embracing the other culture and like, pronouncing Spanish words that I would never know how to pronounce. And I'm like, cool, like you're all about it. Like, yeah, you can see there's a genuine interest there and like they're, yeah, just really embracing it. Where here it's kind of like they make fun of it. Like I used to know how to like roll my R's and like say the names of like certain foods in like the Spanish way that my mom would say it. And then when I'd have to say it to my friends, I'd be too embarrassed and I've like lost the ability to pronounce those words now because I've just Australianized them. Rob is a paramedic. He says that it wasn't until he first started his medical studies that he took his first class on issues related to race in Australia. The first time I could say that I was like actually like properly educated about it was at uni when they were teaching us about like Aboriginals in healthcare and why they don't trust it. Because like, yeah, they teach us that they have all these health problems and and stuff and their life expectancy is shorter than a non-Indigenous person. But um, they don't go into the background about why they don't seek out healthcare and that kind of thing. And it kind of, I don't know, it was really eye-opening because... Before that, like, I wrongly kind of thought that they just kind of, like, didn't care about their health. But there's, like, this whole story about about just, like, distrust in the health system and that. And that's just, like, one thing. Like, I don't know. It would have been good if we had that in high school. Working as a paramedic, Rob realizes that he is treated differently if he is on duty. Why? Because he is wearing a uniform. I think working as a paramedic, the uniform kind of offers you like a bit of protection. Like people don't see the person underneath it. They just see someone who works for the ambulance. So there's nowhere near as much discrimination there. I feel like I'd get discriminated more because I have tattoos rather than the color of my skin. <laughs> so yeah, I've been lucky in that regard. And um, when I started, the group that I started with, it was like people of all different races and just like really diverse workforce. And I think they've made it like a big conscious effort to create that and give everyone an equal opportunity, which is good. Rob says that overall, he has been lucky in finding jobs for working as a paramedic. He thinks that for the most part of his life, the way people read him racially did not affect his prospects. He does, however, remember two instances where it might have played a role. First, a sushi shop where he was, in Rob's words, for obvious reasons, rejected. Second, 
where he got a job at an Iraqi restaurant. I got a job at an Iraq, uh, Iraqi restaurant. And like me and the other guys that worked there, we all looked like brothers because <laughs> it was like a family business. And they were all brothers. I was the only one that wasn't related. And everyone just assumed that I was part of the family business and that I knew everything about food that I was serving. And I had no idea. <laughs> Rob reflects on his personal understanding of the relationships between stereotypes and racism. When someone makes a stereotype that's derogatory or like makes the other person feel like they're less valued than themselves, or if the stereotype kind of kind of prevents them from opportunities, whether, whether that's like dating someone or whether that's getting a job or whether that's going to jail. Like I think, actually, that's probably extreme. I don't know. I think any stereotype that makes somebody feel like shit <laughs> is racism. And there's a time and a place where things can be appropriate between certain people, especially if they're of that race or if it's kind of two foreigners giving it to each other. But when it's like, I don't know, I think when it makes you feel unwelcome, that can be really damaging. Against the background of his experiences, Rob reflects on his own racist biases. Back in the day, I would avoid certain haircuts so that I wouldn't look like a wog. I like wouldn't play certain music out loud because it would kind of associate me with that group as well. Even hanging out with certain people, like if there's too many of them, like say I didn't want to be seen as a Muslim or something and I was hanging out with too many Arabs that I would just be assumed that I was one, I would avoid that kind of situation. And yeah, you just kind of do it without thinking, which sucks because it's like, I feel like that's almost racist in itself that you think that it's bad to be seen as that. But I don't know. I guess you just kind of want to protect yourself from the discrimination. Shamefully, I think it's even been consciously at times. Um, not because I wanted to like hurt anyone. It was almost just because I wanted to fit in and be racist like white people were. This is past me talking. I'm not that guy anymore. But it was like, it was kind of like, if you can't beat them, join them. And it sucks. Rob says that growing up, he hasn't spoken much to his parents about his experiences of racism. Only recently have they started to engage more on this subject. They've talked about their experiences from when they were young and how they would get bullied because they like wouldn't speak English and stuff. And it was like all of the immigrants versus the Australians at school. But yeah, it's interesting talking to them now that I'm older and just the things that they notice. And mum's like always had like, like she'd always mix with people of heaps of different backgrounds like she'd be friends with like Chinese ladies that can't even talk English and I don't know it was just like I never saw any anyone else's mum have those kind of friendships it was I don't know it was it was nice to see it was just like really human like no biases or whatever it was just like two ladies being nice to each other and not really understanding each other but just smiling at each other and it was beautiful <laughs> Rob has the following to say about what he thinks it takes to be anti-racist. 
really sticking up for the minorities when you see them being discriminated against and making them feel welcome. Like, don't talk to them like they're different. And I think something for me that definitely makes me feel welcome is like ignoring the color of someone's skin. Like, just don't even go there unless it comes up. Like, just see them for the person that they are. If they've got an obvious accent or they're walking around with a bloody suitcase and you can tell they've just come off a plane, for sure. Ask them where they're from and whatever, but like, just don't draw attention to the fact that somebody's different unless they want it. You can find more information about racism in Australia, as well as other articles, books and videos Rob recommends people to take a look at on racism on our website, www.ourcontext.org. You can also find the transcript of this episode on our website in English, French, German, and Italian. If you have a personal story to share, reach out to us on our website, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us by typing in hashtag our underscore racism. This is Fumi and hashtag our racism. See you in two weeks. This episode was produced and edited by me, Fumi. Introductory score by Luca Nioi. Other music by Pete Morse, Crescent Music, and Fugu Vibes. A big thank you to Rob for his time and energy in reliving for us many of his painful memories and sharing with us honest and important reflections on this issue.